Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, the world's reigning heavyweight champion in geek entertainment talk. I'm your host, Jeremy, and I'm joined today by John Stratman, uh, animator and music composer, I believe, who you can see his work at JoeBlow.com, and he tweets from StratmasterJ. How you doing, John? Pretty good. So um, you kind of came to prominence recently because of uh, a little a little movie called uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, mm-hmm. and it seems like uh, your little piece of animation there caught a lot of people's eyes real quick. Has this been one of your largest uh, viewed pieces so far? Uh, no, I, I the very first trailer, very first video I did for Joe Blow, I think did better, but I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't checked. I know that Civil War got like 330, 300, well, it might be up to like 360,000. Now I haven't checked back on the Rogue One. It might be more, but it's it's. Second most popular, if not the most popular, yeah, that I've done. Because I saw this thing everywhere this week. Um, and we're going to have a little spoiler here, but what you did was you did a 16-bit style animation of the Darth Vader beatdown scene from the end of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked amazing. So I, you also write your own music, don't you? Yes. So did you did you actually do the music? I mean, I know somebody else wrote that piece, but did you do the music that accompanied that animation? Yeah. Um, I've got... I use this... Uh, there's a program I use called Noteworthy Composer where you pretty much just type the music in like sheet music. And okay. then it will... You can export that as a MIDI, and then I put it into a program called SynthFont, and I assign retro video game voices to each part. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, you're a younger fella. Uh, how was it you started doing 8 and 16-bit style animations? Because that seems like you would have been either really young or not born yet when those were really popular. Uh, well, I I didn't really play too many video games when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But one of the fondest memories I have playing video games was like when I was about like 12, I got this... like. CD. It was like Sega Smash Pack 2, I think it was. It was like a collection of a whole bunch of old Sega games. And, like, I I didn't have I didn't have the systems, but I do have a, a really, I really appreciate, like, a lot of old aesthetics and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's uh, definitely 8 and 16-bit graphics have always i don't know about always but there's definitely been over the last 10 years a lot of people uh home brewing their own 8 and 16 bit style games or doing retro style games um you know i know you do graphics and music have you ever have you ever done anything gaming wise you ever created a game or anything used for a game no never is that something that appeals to you at all if if somebody asked me to do music for a game i would i would definitely jump on that uh I don't know about sprite work because the the sprites I make are largely based on existing sprites. But uh, I 
I, I'm not a pro- programmer, but if if somebody if somebody approached me to like a, design some stuff for compose some music for a game, I I definitely do it. Okay. What is your musical background? Self-taught. Self-taught. Well, I I took. I took piano lessons as a kid and didn't really didn't really get too far and just stopped. I played I played trombone in high school, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much yeah. Most of this is self taught, including your artwork. Yeah. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this, and we'll we'll delve a little bit deeper into some of that, but um. How did you get started doing either animations or uh, sprite-style artwork? What was kind of the genesis of John Stratman getting into that? Uh, when the when the final trailer for The Force Awakens came out, uh, I felt like I really had to make something. So I went on to Spriter's Resource, which is an excellent site, and I, I took... Uh, sprites from like a a game for the Sega Game Gear. Mm-hmm. I adapted a lot of those to look like Force Awakens characters, and I drew from uh, like Empire Strikes Back for the NES, uh, a whole bunch of other things. And I it was it was for Force Awakens, and I just like I it, it that. That video is the the Force Awakens trailer is very very rough. There are some parts where there's like where I resized it wrong and the characters look kind of blurry. But it's it's been you know a trial and error thing. Well, yeah, but I mean you definitely learned by doing in this case, right? Yeah. So, I mean, did you come away from that project having learned quite a bit? Since I mean, it sounds to me like you jumped in with both feet and just ran with it. Yeah, well, that was that was November of 2015. Yeah, so just just over a year ago. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Um, you and I talked a little bit beforehand, and you said you started by doing um, uh, just like regular 2D animation. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't know if I could ever do like traditional flipbook hand-drawn animation, but mm-hmm. uh, I was really inspired by how it should have ended and the way that they animate their videos that I... Uh, I did it for, like, a school project back in my senior year of high school, and then that kind of led to uh, me... Like, I, I, w- I was super ambitious and created a web series called Sam Young Origins and it was like superhero-ish kind of thing but it was it was so ambitious that it probably would have been hard for even a team of people to make mm-hmm. like I spent like every waking hour on that and then that kind I kind of lost lost everything I had for episode 3 and I was just it was yeah. It was not. It was. It wasn't a good experience. <laughs> didn't didn't exactly leave you in a positive place then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what what kind of software did you use on your initial uh, animation experiment? On 
on which one. Well, let's um, with your your Sam Young origins. What what were you what were you using to create that? Uh, that's I used the same program that I use on uh, on eight bit trailers to this day. Uh, it's it's called Wax 2.0. It hasn't been updated since 2006, but I've been using it for years, and I still like using it now. I still discover new things about it, and it's I don't know. It's so um. In your background, then you sound like you're you're a bit of a genre fan. You're, you were working on a superhero story and a Star Wars story. Uh, what what kind of geek culture stuff got you the earliest in your life? What was the first thing that really turned you on to sci-fi or comics or whatever it was? Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. The original series. The original series. Oh, awesome! How'd you find that? My dad introduced me to it uh, when I was about eight. Okay. So, yeah, and I was I was like the only kid at school who was watching uh, Star Trek, and th- that was like around the same time that the prequels were coming out, and so everybody was like talking about prequels, and I'm just like, hey, everybody, anybody watch Star Trek? And then just crickets. So. Oh yeah. What was your What's your favorite episode of the original series? Um. Balance of Terror is good. That's my number one favorite right there. Yeah, but I I kind of like Devil in the Dark. The the uh, the Horda episode. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one too. There's there's a thing that you know like a third of those episodes are great, a third are okay, and a third of them are just not very good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a I'm a big old school Star Trek fan. We've done actually multiple episodes of Star Trek on here. I had a friend of mine who's a film editor. We did our top fives. And his were, like, you pick five episodes you think nobody have star- would like in Star Trek, and those were his top five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, there's, you know, there's something in it for everybody. Yeah. What was it about Star Trek that caught your imagination or really, really grabbed your interest? Uh, well, it, uh, I think, like, I, I didn't see Star Wars movies until much later mm-hmm. like i watched I, I watched the prequels after it came out on dvd around that time but um like star trek was my first exposure to like big special effects movies you know because i watched the movies first and then i watched the original series hmm, okay yeah so are you a fan of star trek in general i mean do you like next generation and any of that or just the original series what's your what's your I, feeling on the rest of it I could never really get into Next Generation. Uh, I really, like, the characters from the original series are, like, just, uh, what was, there was, like, an episode of Futurama where, uh, where one character said, the, the, the time traveler character, I forget his name, uh, where he says that watching, watching the show felt like the characters were your friends. That, that's the way it was for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess that's why I like the original series. Uh, so like the 2009 J.J. Abrams reboot, uh, that was like to me that was like seeing your favorite toy from childhood, but it comes back and it's big and it's shiny and it's real. I know I might be in the minority on that. I don't know. No, because you know what I like I. I don't like Into Darkness that much, but I don't hate it as much as other fans do. 
But um, I like the new movies overall. I mean, they're they're what's available to us. Um, Carl Urban is great McCoy. I think he's well, yeah. and McCoy's my favorite character because I think, especially as a guy, you want to be Kirk when you grow up, but you realize that if you have your head more together, you should be more like McCoy. You know what I mean? Um, though I am a little the new Spock. How do you feel about him? Uh, well, first, like Into Darkness and the first one, he seemed he had like a really short fuse. Mm-hmm. And, like, hey Spock, how about your mom? And he turns into a fist fight, pretty much. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think I think Beyond really, uh, like it, on paper, Beyond sounds like the worst idea ever, but in execution, it's just amazing. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I like that movie quite a bit. There were things about it that were a little clunky, but I think that's just modern filmmaking is a little clunkier than it used to be. Um, but I did, we did an episode where I had a friend who hosts a, uh, well, was Chris from uh, Return to Camp Blood, a Friday the 13th podcast, and Don Adams, who's a writer, director, and editor, and they hated that movie. Like, to the point where I just, like, sat there quiet the whole time, <laughs> you know? like yeah okay these guys are just gonna shit on this but i i really liked it quite a bit i thought it was the best of the three what do you think well i i think it's got so many ideas that sound really bad on paper like uh like spoiler alert i suppose uh like destroying the enterprise and um like the uh the whole beastie boys thing at the end that sounds horrible on paper, but when you see it on, well, I, I guess they didn't. Eh, eh. I, I really don't know how to. I still don't know how to feel about destroying the Enterprise, but. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you saw the original movies. You know, they destroyed the Enterprise in Number Three. Yeah. So it seems if you're going to do it, it seems appropriate to do it in the third movie. The problem I had with that was they damn near destroyed the Enterprise in both of the previous movies. Yeah, that well, was, I, yeah. One, one thing I hated seeing in Facebook comments was, like, uh, through, like, the new trailers, it's like, why are they destroying the Enterprise in every movie? It's like, they, they didn't really, but I kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, um, if you're going to hot shot a story real heavily, you have to have, like, in a comic book, if you're going to do a really draining and over-the-top episode, like, with a death and whatnot... You usually have an issue afterwards where you don't do that or something to kind of cool the story back down a little bit. And so when you do three where they damn near destroy it, or two where they damn near destroy it, and the third where they do it loses its punch a little bit. But, you know, still, I was fine with it. You know, we get it. But uh, one thing that I think is funny, though, is that Star Trek IV, they're talking about bringing back Kirk's dad, so it means they're going to go back in time in that one. So then you've got the new the new films. So in the first one, you're introduced, the characters go on to a new Enterprise and battle a giant thing that threatens Earth. In the second one, they fight Khan, who's hijacked another Federation ship. In the third one, they go over a mysterious planet and there's a battle over the planet and the Enterprise blows up. And in the fourth one, they time travel. I think that's a kind of funny parallel oh don't you think it's intentional 
I suppose. Because, I mean, Justin Lin and Simon Pegg are are giant Star Trek fans, and, you know, I don't know how much control they're going to have over the next one, but it almost seems intentional to me if that's the direction it goes. I don't remember... I don't, remember, I don't remember what it was that there was there was a there was a movie coming out around the same time, uh, Star Trek Beyond. That I think it might have been Jason Bourne that I wanted to do an eight bit trailer for Star Trek Beyond, but another movie was coming out at the same time that I just had a really solid idea for that I went ahead with that, that I did Jason Bourne instead. I think that the I might have had a problem finding sprites for Star Trek Beyond, but that would that would have been fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do one for the fourth one when the trailer for that comes out. So when you're when you're doing this, does I mean, because JoeBlow.com, they're, they're publishing these little shorts that you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, do they tell you what they want, or where do you get your ideas from, and what happens? They, uh, they've been really good about just letting me go wild, uh, like a lot, a lot of a lot of times it's it's called eight bit trailers, but they're not necessarily eight bit all the time. They're definitely pixel art all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I, I I pretty much choose whatever whatever movie to do and what game to base it on and. All that, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that they they're not saying you need to do this one then. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's I I've had a great time uh, working for the site. And how did they find you? Uh, one of my friends, he's the host of Attraction Reactions, and he does a show called Kind of Crazy. And his name is uh, Taylor James Johnson. Okay. Uh, I did some illustrations for his uh, Kind of Crazy series where he talks about uh, how how this director or this actor is kind of crazy and I had to illustrate some scenar- some some things that happened that he didn't have pictures for. Um, now when you say illustrate, is this more 8 and 16 bit style pixels or is this a different no. style? This was I I, pre, I was kind of inspired by uh, uh, Jim will paint it. He's he's a guy on Twitter. Uh, it, it's it's a it's 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 a very Tracy kind of style where you take a take a photo of the person and kind of trace a lot of elements of it and just recolor it. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I had made, I had made some, I'd made, I think this was after I did the 8-bit trailer for Force Awakens and Civil War, and they were on my channel on YouTube, and I did, I did some illustrations for him, and I, I think I asked him if Jobo would be interested in the animations, and then after I asked him about it, I quickly forgot about. I quickly forgot that I asked him. And one day he messages me out of the blue that Joe Blow wants to pick it up, and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot that I 
uh, I asked him to pitch it. So, yeah, uh, it's been it's been really great ever ever since. Cool. How long you've been doing stuff with them now? Uh, ever since Civil War. Okay, so, so what was that, that was March, May, somewhere in there? Around there. Yeah. yeah. What you What you think of Civil War? I was a little underwhelmed because uh, I thought I thought. Well, here's my problem with these hero versus hero movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's this there's supposed to be this ideological conflict between the two of them. This 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 goes for Batman v Superman as well. That uh, one character like these two characters that are fighting. There's some issue that they're that they disagree on, and one of them has to be wrong, and one of them has to be right. And so you can you can you can't have them be morally gray. You can't have the audience divided. At the end, you have to say, "Oh, I'm mad because someone killed my mom." I think that was just the worst part of Civil War. Yeah, I know they were going for morally ambiguous in that one. Um, I think the spectacle took it over in Civil War. Well, just just they should have gone. I think they should have gone like all out with the uh, whole whose side are you on thing with with the issue of like the superhero registration because. Mm-hmm. If I were living in the Marvel Universe, I would be on Tony Stark's side. Because you can't, you can't just have these people govern, govern themselves. That's... Uh, well, we don't, al- we don't allow that in anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so... That's, that's one place where, where superhero stories just fall apart automatically. Is you know Batman, you know who is one of I, I call Batman the gateway drug to superheroes. That's like one of everybody's favorite heroes right there. But you figure in every issue of his comic book, he's leave he's leaving a, a purse snatcher with a broken wrist and clavicle, and all of his ribs ribs are busted. Just leaves him on the street for the cops to pick him up. Okay, we wouldn't put up with that from anybody else. You know, <laughs> just some dude looks like randomly going around jaywalker. I'll break your leg. My parents were killed by jaywalkers. Yeah. So yeah, that's one place you can't look too closely at some of these things; they fall apart rather quickly. Yeah, you don't you don't see cops branding people. Um. Well, if you do, if you live in the South, sometimes you do. Oh yeah. Yeah, but but perhaps that's too dark a topic. Yeah. Um. You know what's funny now? Batman versus Superman. I didn't hate it that much, but when the home version came out, I actually really liked it. The it, extended edition? Yes, because it filled in all the weird holes that it left. Mm. And it's still, I, not, still not great, but I liked it. First time I saw it in the theater, I actually really liked it, and I, I didn't really understand why people didn't like it. But then uh, my friend hadn't seen it, and so we went to go see it, or I went to go see it again, and he fell asleep, and then as I was watching, I was like, I... I think I see people's issues with it now. Mm-hmm. Like the second time, the second time the flaws came out. Yeah. Now, see, the second time I watched it, I was looking for the Excalibur parallels. 
Um, which, being as young as you are, you've probably never seen the movie Excalibur. But it was a. I've seen, I've seen First Night. Now this this is specifically yeah specifically Excalibur's John Borman's take obviously on the King Arthur story. There are so many parallels between Excalibur and Batman versus Superman that that's like all I could see the second time through. Oh, it's on. Isn't there a poster on the? Yep. On when the they're theater? when they're coming out of the theater, there's the Excalibur poster and the Mark of Zorro poster. Yeah. Which, you know, they, Batman's basically just a, a retelling of Zorro anyways. Yeah. You know, just a non-mustachioed version. Um, but yeah, when you go through and you watch that, uh, that's all I could see the second time. But like now, I didn't see it again until it came out on the extended version for home viewing. And one of the things that bothered me in that movie was the opening of the movie, a bunch of uh, uh, mercenaries go through gun down a village and blame it on Superman. And I watching that, I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to believe that Superman went in and gunned down a village. Well, in the extended version, they show you that those mercenaries then turn around and use flamethrowers and make it look like a used heat vision on them. Then you find out that Lex Luthor is blackmailing witnesses to say it was Superman. And then you find out that Lex Luthor is paying people in prison to kill prisoners that Batman has branded. There are all these little things that start coming together that filled in most of the holes for me. Now, that being said, I don't like a mopey Superman. Mm -hmm. That was one thing they did. Do you watch the CW's uh, DC shows? I I watched The Flash uh, when it was first on, Mm -hmm. and then I got involved in a bunch of things, and I just couldn't keep it in my schedule. You you mean you have a life. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've, uh, I've, I've watched... A good chunk of Arrow. I haven't seen any of the recent stuff. Uh, I watched the four episode, or the four night crossover that they had a few months ago. Okay. What did you think of the crossover episodes? Uh, I was a little. Uh, well, I I always want TV shows to be more cinematic than they end up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are a few things about. Legends of Tomorrow that annoy me. They're like everybody, everybody's got to have a quirky team. Like Arrow's got one now. Now uh, Legends are quirky and uh, Flash is Cisco. Um, but uh, like with the, I thought the villain was kind of generic. And since I don't watch the shows on a regular basis, seeing them, well, seeing them all come together was kind of like a mini Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. But hmm, I, I don't know. Uh, it was fun. It was it was an event. Uh, yeah. See, for me, I, I still will always default back to, holy shit, you know, look, we've got all these people in the same TV show or movie. Because when I was young, that wasn't a possibility. It just it wasn't going to happen. You know, you were never going to see Batman and Superman share the screen. It just there's no way. And now we have, you know, Spider-Man, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man in the same movie. That's just outstanding to me. Um, the crossover episodes, Supergirl was barely part of it. The last two minutes of it were there. But Supergirl and Flash are my two favorite shows from those series. The uh, Arrow episode was barely part of it. Uh, so that kind of threw it off. Um, but overall, I liked it. But the reason I was kind of asking about the CW stuff was they had Tyler Hecklin on in the first two or three episodes of Supergirl. 
and he played Superman. And he played him in the old traditional Chris Reeve style Superman, which that made me sit back and look at Superman, Batman, and go, see, that's the Superman they should have shot for. Now, that's kind of what I was wondering what your opinion was on the what would be seen as the old hokier style Superman versus the mopey Superman in the current movies. Well, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman was one of my... When I was like a tween, it was one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I really... Like, for me, jur- jury's out on that because I want to I wanna see... I want to see what they were going for. I want to see Superman exist in this world where people where people question him and how he deals with that, but he doesn't. Like, he, he saves some people in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I, I want more of that. Uh, like, I do like the idea of a superhero saving people, but this modern skeptic culture that we have of people questioning everyone's intentions. Like, you can't... Like, he, this guy's super powerful. Like, like if, if somebody's powerful, he... If a, man, if a man is all-powerful, he can't... Or wait, no. Lex Luthor's line about... If God is all-powerful, he cannot be good, all good. If he is all good, he cannot be all-powerful. Yeah, that, that kind of... Like, I, I do think that those those ideas in a Superman movie are, are a good idea. But I think that the, the things that they chose to exclude from the original movie and including the extended edition, I haven't seen the extended edition, but the things they, they chose to leave in the movie makes me just scratch my head. Mm-hmm. Like, like the investigative Clark Kent stuff I've read about. Why did we get a jar of piss scene and uh, oh, a yeah. Jolly Rancher scene and an email scene when we could have more Superman in a Superman movie. Yeah, well, not only that, it gave Lois and Clark investigative scenes that were left out that they put yeah. back in. Um, I mean, I would totally, you know, and if you liked it at all, suggest watching the extended cut, but you may have to do it in two settings because it is three hours long. I mean, it's a it's a beast. I remember uh, one time, like somebody somebody sent me a, a meme about like Zack Snyder saying, or it was just like it, just, it said everything I touch dies. It's Zack Snyder with DC movies, and somebody somebody commented, "Oh, actually, the extended edition is better." And I remember my response to that was. And ex- I will watch an extended edition if I want more of what I saw, but after the second viewing, I, I, I'm done with that movie. Yeah, I, I can see that, too. Because it's very... it, It's it's very... It kind of wears on you, I think. It, it wore on me the second time. No, I, but, can, I can totally see that, because it... Already, it's a two and a half hour movie, which I don't know how you feel about it. I think two and a half hours is way too long for a movie. You know, mm-hmm. I just you know, sitting that long for every movie in the theater. I'm just like, nope, this is too long. Um, and so when you do the extended cut to make it slightly more viewable by making it just over three hours, well, you've just made it a fucking chore, <laughs> really. You know, 
It's like it's like it's like Warner Brothers is Peter Jackson syndrome. Yeah. We'll take a really short book and stretch it out into seven hours of a movie. Yeah. Mm. Nope, I get that completely. So, John, what else you got going on these days? What do you got coming up? What do you want to tell us about? Um, I've. Well, I'm right now. I'm in early stages of developing a music video. Uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, if you want more news about that, uh, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'll I'll definitely tweet about that. Uh, I've got a SoundCloud where I post a lot of soundtracks from the Eight Bit trailers and from the new uh, Rogue One video that I did. That's up there too. Uh, it's called Motion Fiction Music. That's that's on SoundCloud. Uh, and I have a Facebook page where I post about where I post stuff from SoundCloud. I post all the newest videos. I post screen caps from the latest videos. It's called Motion Fiction Media. Uh, right now, I am working on an 8-bit trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I it's it's hard for me to get as excited for that as I like if if Tobey Maguire joined the Avengers, I would have I don't know, I would have been really excited, but uh, this this looks like it could be fun. Yeah, no, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm hoping. Well, see, okay, I've got a 4-year-old grandson and Spider-Man is his thing. Mm-hmm. I even got him a custom-made new Spider-Man from the movie costume for Christmas. So, yeah, it, it's pretty outstanding. Um, I Because of his excitement over this movie, I am excited. You know what I mean? Like, it, it totally comes through. I probably would have been excited anyways. Because um, I felt Tobey Maguire was almost too old to play Spider-Man. I like a teenage Spider-Man. Yeah, but I think I think the, the way that the, the movie's focused on Peter, Peter Parker, mm-hmm. and it's such a... Like you have such empathy for him, I, I think that's something that the Andrew Garfield ones kind of lost. Yes, they were trying to set up a a movie universe instead of trying to tell a Spider Man story. Mm-hmm. At least that's the feeling I got from. Because I remember the whole talk while they were doing the Andrew Garfield was, oh, we're going to do a Sinister Six after the second one, and then we're going to do a Venom, and you know, okay, I thought- guys, take a step back. I thought I thought the original Spider-Man trilogy is one man's journey, uh, but the Maguire, or not Maguire, the, the, the Andrew, Andrew Garfield films, it it's not about Peter, it's about Peter and Gwen, which I really, eh, like they had good chemistry in the first one, but in the second one it seemed like they were trying to force it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I still never saw the second one of that series, I was that disinterested. It, I I remember watching it. I, I like rented it from somewhere, and I was just like, I was I I couldn't believe that I was watching a Spider-Man movie and I was bored. Yeah, that shouldn't really happen. That <laughs> shouldn't really happen. All right, hey John, thank you for joining me. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Stratmaster J. All one right. word. And they can find your stuff on JoeBlow.com as well. Mm-hmm. And. And my Facebook page is called Motion Fiction Media, and my SoundCloud is Motion Fiction Music. 
Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, anytime you got news or anything coming up, please feel free to let me know. I'll put it up on my Facebook page and Twitter and help you get the word out. All right. And anytime you, uh, there's a new movie or anything coming up that you'd ever like to talk about, just let me know. I'd love to have you back. It's been fun talking to you. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, in the meantime, you can catch us at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast, and we are on Instagram at the geekishcast. We are part of the Astro Panda Network now. And this previous week to now, I was on Return to Camp Blood talking about the new Friday the 13th video game and my impressions of it. We will see you guys Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time with our live episode. Until then, we'll see you later. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zeus. Check them out at reignofzeus.net.